When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a special Tuesday edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. We are back from Austin, Texas. The shootout in Austin, DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, 50-47, to double overtime victory for Texas. Obviously some positives to take out of this game, but those are completely overshadowed. Boring. By, yeah, I mean, completely overshadowed by the the mere outcome of the game, and and now you have to pick up the pieces and hope that you can find some answers against a power rushing attack because there are more power rushing attacks coming up against Notre Dame. Yeah, it's just I mean, as is the case with every loss, we'll probably start with what Notre Dame could have done to have won, which are the negatives, uh, and the flip side will be if they win, we'll probably start on the other side of that, but it's. Defensively, that dominated the discussion after the game, the day after the game, the day after the day after the game, uh, which is where we are right now. And, I mean, Brian Kelly, he's not going to sell out Brian Van Gorder. Uh, and as much as I, some people, Tim Priester included in his column, would like to see a change there, that's not going to happen either. We're talking about a coach who has never fired an assistant coach in six-plus years at Notre Dame, and he's not going to start after game one. I think that Notre Dame's defensive issues are not just scheme-related. I think they are talent-related. And I think, to me, that was the more concerning part about what happened on Sunday night. It, w- it wasn't that the defense had some mental breakdowns, because that's going to happen. It was that their talent looked far less, especially at the back end of the defense, than what we expected going into it. I hope you're wrong. You might, you probably aren't, but I, you know, I, <laughs> on what part? On the talent being far yeah. less than we thought. Oh. Now, throw out, throw out the safeties because I think there's going to be some movement there. It, it, you're not going to have the two slowest safeties in <clears throat> top 25 football going forward. It, you can't play defense like that. Tranquil and Avery Sebastian can both help the team, and they're going to have to be one position, one at a time. That, one at a time. I don't know. I, I think I'm hoping that and it's not like the scheme is all of a sudden going to get simplified after 27 games of not having it simplified, but. I do think there's a thing, such a thing as playing fast, and Notre Dame doesn't play fast. And I think it's partly paralysis by analysis. I think Pete might be right that the talent has not been developed or is not being used properly, which is the same thing as not having enough talent. Not using your talent properly is the same thing as not having enough talent. But I do think they just don't... I think it's scheme-related <laughs> that they don't play fast. They're not well-coached. If you just look at, let's say, Houston... Did you know more than three or four defensive players on that team going in? That team plays fast, aggressive. Aggressive is the wrong word. They play fast and confident defensively. And I think he, you, Notre Dame has enough guys to play fast and confidently if they know what they're doing. Houston might be one of the five best coached teams in the country yeah. when, you, when you watch them play. Look, I don't realistically expect Brian Van Gorder to be fired. It's really not a good idea. I mean, that's <laughs> it's, it's, it's too radical. But the point is... It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better under his leadership. Because when the talk is about 
you know, cover three and blowing cover three and you have to yank Drew Tranquil out of the game, you're talking about one of the smartest, most dedicated players on the football team and 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 we're and we're saying he made the mistake. No, the right coverage was not communicated, and that's why he made the mistake. And the reason I say it that way is because we've seen a steady flow of that throughout two seasons and one game. I thought we found out today they played good defense for the press conference. Well, Frank, <laughs> no, yeah. he's I mean, not Brian gonna, Kelly he's not has to. Him, I, yeah, I thought he made it. I thought he made the right defense look, from a head coaching standpoint. Sure, but the problem is when you say there's no excuses and things like that, and we were just talking about a pre-podcast. We mentioned they played. We decided there was 21 straight minutes there with holding without a point. It's expected at some point during the game you hold the other team without a touchdown drive, right? That was what I was trying to get across poorly before pre-practice. They had two consecutive three and outs and interception in there in some order. You're supposed to occasionally get a three and out. So are we just fetting them for getting a couple three and outs? Well, well yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the issue. I, I understand they're capable, but the inconsistency is remarkable. I right. think that, yeah, I mean, the scheme is, is something that we should talk about because... I mean, we talked about it as it was happening in the press box about the three three five that they played. I said how interested I was about the speed package and what it was going to look like and how effective it might be, and it wasn't. Um, you know, I asked about Jay Hayes' health. Would he have made a difference over Andrew Trombetti? I think absolutely I he would have made a huge difference. Um, if that is the case, I don't have a problem with the three three five if Shane Bouchelle is the quarterback. What I thought made no sense and was schematic suicide was playing that with Tyrone Swopes in the game, uh, which is what they did in the first half. Which, which Kelly Brian somewhat Kelly, admitted today. Yeah, yeah admitted it as Tuesday <laughs> press conference. That was just complete nonsense to me. Um, but I think that the the three three five versus the base four three created when Notre, when you say Notre Dame doesn't play fast, they try to sub fast. But then you end up with confusion at the line of scrimmage, and I think that's another issue with what Brian Kelly said today when he says we handled the tempo pretty well. I com- just completely disagree with that because it created a bunch of confusion before the ball was even snapped. It created it created a touchdown, a, a direct <clears throat> touchdown in one instance, the 68-yard pass to Hurd, which was a coverage breakdown. We found out it was cover two. Cover two coverage breakdown between Drew Tranquil, who they have lauded as the most dedicated and one of the smartest players on the defense, and the smartest player on the defense that we know of, and Sean Crawford. What and I f- it's 68 yards to the one, and you can't get – you're playing a nickel defense from the one-yard line against Texas. Now, great job, credit Texas, for getting up there and going fast, but that's what timeouts are for. What I find interesting and incredible is that last year when they lost Sean Crawford, they couldn't run nickel. Now they open the season, they can't run base. They can't run – they. That because Brian – I asked him – In retrospect. Well, but yeah. I after the game, what – why you ran that? And he said we that we went with our best personnel. So your best personnel against a 250 pound quarterback, a 250 pound running back, and then another 235, 240 pound running back was nickel. So you so you're opening the season and you can you can't even. I mean, base should always be your 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 best and most fundamentally sound defense, and they couldn't do that. I totally agree that Jay Hayes has to be in a football game. Because right now there's only one defensive lineman that plays consistently hard without getting frustrated on every snap, and that's of course Isaac Rochelle. I would I, I would include Daniel. Case I was going to say Daniel. Okay, it okay, yeah. right. I, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about the starting four, and sure, maybe yeah. he start, he started. But and, yes, and I, 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 I agree yeah. with you yes. there, uh, and that's why it's so important that Jay Hayes is on the field because that gives you another 
try-hard guy every snap, which is, of course, what they always had with Sheldon Day. I mean, here's the base defense statistics from the first half. That's all I've totaled up so far. Texas ran seven plays against Notre Dame's base defense. It was five carries for 10 yards, and they were one of two passing for minus one yard. It was the great play, the cold look. Yeah. Cold you should be a defensive line. analyst yeah. uh, for, for Notre Dame. You think, I they can, have, unfortunately, you all I can do is add numbers yeah. together. <laughs> uh, I can't come up with strategy until it's after the fact. But, um, Might not be different. We should talk quarterbacks. Deshaun Kaiser, I mean, I, I don't understand. Uh, I understood after the game immediately when I asked Brian Kelly uh, – is Deshaun Kaiser the guy? He said, I don't know. Um, we haven't made that decision. I understood it a little bit on Sun or on Monday during his teleconference when we asked the same question. He says, we haven't made a decision like that. We haven't we have to talk to the quarterbacks. I didn't understand it at all today when he said the same thing. Uh, they've been back for 48 hours. The notion that you haven't talked to your offensive coaches or your quarterbacks yet, I find hard to believe. Um but, but, I, but, I, but I will just be completely forward on Saturday if we see the same. The message was delivered a little differently. Yeah, right? I, I read it. When I went, it? Yeah, I think so. As it went along, I think it was pretty clear where people were talking about what you want from your number two. There's there's various questions about what you're going to want from the guy that doesn't win the job. Mm-hmm. And we're all insinuating that's Malik Zaire. Finally, at some point, it sounded to me like he was answering it was Malik Zaire. Because let's be honest, when you're talking about I don't want my number two to disengage, be problematic... Pout, you got to be ready. You got to prepare yourself like you're a starter. I don't think he's talking about Deshaun Kaiser. Right. So, I mean, we all right. look. We we so we watch the game. I'm not going to be surprised. Unlike Pete, right now, I am not going to be surprised if they run that again this game. Really? Yes. Giving Zaire like a second chance to because I do think Kelly's going to look at it and say I had I had Zaire down for 17 snaps, 45 yards. That's what I had to. 45 yards came from it. They picked up two first downs. They converted two third downs. But on those 17 snaps, 10 plays were either stuffed, the stat where you gained two yards or less, or there was pressure, or there was a sack. So 10 of the 17 were so-called negative plays that did not help the team. I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get one more chance to... to, to well, uh, to Nevada's sure. the opponent to get that, that that's one kind of more why chance I think so, against, too. especially with Michigan State coming up. I think, I I think Deshaun Kaiser sees the game differently than most quarterbacks, and he sees the game differently than Malik Zaire. He knows where his receivers are. He knows where his receivers will end up. He understands protections, although apparently he blew at least one in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Yeah, and, and, you know, I thought there was a good point by Brian Kelly saying this isn't all about a young problem. We had some older guys that made mistakes in the fourth quarter, and he was absolutely right. The offense had a chance. That's why I didn't want to overblow the the what they lost with the Torrey Hunter non-targeting play because you had a, on the next play you had a field goal to tie it up, and yeah. you you missed that, and you had other opportunities offensively. You had opportunities defensively. You gave up a sixty-yard drive, and your special teams, your punter didn't even punt well. So all three phases. Didn't close it out. The, the reason I think Zaire gets another shot, I do believe Kelly said when, when one one thing he said post game was he just he wasn't in as much. He didn't really get a chance to get flowing. Now it, it's partly on you for not getting a chance to flow. But look, I thought Deshaun Kaiser beginning about late October last year was a better quarterback than Malik Zaire. I thought in the offseason <clears throat> in the spring, I thought Zaire looked good in August to make it close. And I think Deshaun Deshaun Kaiser's a better quarterback now. I don't think it's that close, but I do think he's going to give Zaire the benefit of the doubt to prove himself because. He did not really. You you couldn't go to Zaire any more than you did. I'm not saying that, that you couldn't stick with him any longer. But he, what he started he had, the second he, half. Yeah, Some would yeah, say it that was, was really, too much. And it was a really bad series. And then he had to come out and Kaiser five touchdowns and rushing touchdown. Yeah. I, I just think that he's got to get one more shot because then I think 
gosh, he shouldn't be running a football program like this. But then I think he's had his last, he's going to have this last shot if he doesn't come through with it. Then there's just no, you're not even have to apologize to the guy about it. It's look, Deshaun Kaiser's the better quarterback. What if you give him that one more shot and he plays well? Then, so then, what's the what's the mindset? And Michigan State has to prepare for both in? of them. That helps a little bit. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't but know. look, yeah. we know it takes more away from Notre Dame than yeah, it does add by making the other team. I think it's interesting that I mean Texas's rotation. It's like their style of offense, what they want to do, and those two guys. It fits seamlessly. It was ironic. You know? The two quarterbacks. I mean, it, 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 it works. You're it, better off it, having two quarterbacks that are different than yeah. two quarterbacks that are the same. You know, give, I mean, Bouchelle was really great. And we're, he really hurt him in overtime and late in the fourth quarter with his feet. You know, I mean, he, he had, he he's had several. A he's a good player he's, now. Yeah, he's, he's a, a good player. player. Yeah. He, sees the, he sees the game, too. But. Deshaun Kaiser, he just sees the game. He sees the field. He's got a he has a pace to the way he moves that that fits the pace of the game as it's unfolding. My argument for Zaire isn't that I agree with it. It's what I think is going to happen. It's kind of like I think Sebastian's going to start. <clears throat> right. I didn't agree with it. I just think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see more Malik Zaire. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So as we wrap up, sort of looking back at Texas, I mean, just guys who impressed, who maybe we haven't talked about, guys you feel like. Man, they really need to to step up moving forward that we haven't addressed already. I think BK tried to challenge the best players on the team a little bit with that, calling out McGlinchey a little. You, know, you guys both, which he was correct to do. I yeah, think. yeah, because he, he should be just at a much higher level. Yeah, and that's I mean, I tried to make this point after he said it. The the comment that McGlinchey and Nelson did not play as well as they expected. What they expect is a 100% grade from both those guys on right. every snap, right. and they clearly did not. It's not like they're poor. It, yeah. you have, well, they have to be great. They have to be near All-American. NFL good. Yeah, know. they have to be near All-American status this year for Notre Dame to win as many games as we thought they could. Uh, I thought Mustafa played really, really well for his first start. I thought he played really, really well, whether it was his first or tenth start. Uh, you know, He was aggressive. There was no hesitation. He got good push against Boyette and Ford. Uh, Kelly didn't give him his, a glowing report like that, but I, I thought he played really well, obviously. I mean, I thought Devin Studstill was aggressive, didn't play like a freshman. He was around the football. Um, he got run over by Foreman, but who didn't, uh, including, I mean, Dallas Morgan got run over too, but I thought Morgan played well. Rochelle was great. Uh, goes without saying, EQ played really, oh, really yeah. well. Adams, obviously, is a star. I think those two guys, Adams and Equinemius St. Brown, offer so much hope for the rest of the season offensively. Equinemius St. Brown, I was joking with you guys on the way in from the game. Those were September stats I would have projected for yeah. him, the two touchdowns. That yeah, they, no that was kid. great. No kid. He could not. And, if, and I, You know what? BK thinks so, too, because he downplayed how well Equinemius St. Brown played in the, in the press yeah. conference. Yeah, so. and, I, and I, do, I do, you know, if Hunter's out, which he probably is, I do like, you don't, you don't move EQ. You keep him at W. I think that's good. Cole Luke played well, with the exception of, obviously, um, you know, getting beat on the early touchdown. Anwalu, on, on you know, is, is effective and aggressive and is a leader out there. there I, that's why I said at the top, there were there were a lot of positive things. Sean Crawford, Pete and I were talking about it. Look, the 68-yard touchdown where Sean Crawford, not touchdown, down to the one-yard line where Crawford caught him, that was not Crawford in the coverage. So remove that from your memory ranks, Notre Dame fans. He's just the guy that right. realized he, there was a bust and, and, he, yeah. and he chased him I mean, down. Well, I mean, you want to remember it, that's fine because he tracked his... <laughs> But down, yeah. He, True Tranquil was not right. getting any closer yeah. to him. Yeah. So I mean, playmaker, right? Yeah. Sean Crawford's a playmaker, and he's a football player. He was and, as advertised. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. I, 
you know, I thought Adams was a surprise to me at least. Um, you know, maybe I haven't been as high on him as some other people. Well, he's a, he's a safety valve. He's now. I mean, it, they you he's know, gunner. He's a gunner. Yeah, he's too. a gunner. <laughs> he, it, exactly. I mean, yeah. he he is really good now. You can, you know, this is in the tail of tape. You can't. You, you're not going to give up on Folston. You need him pounding in there. But I think that Dexter Williams, because he is a a combination back, I think he should uh, over the long haul get some of those carries that Folston gets. But Folston never fumbles, and that's significant. PK as well. gave Folston a very high grade post press conference, yeah. which or during the press conference, which makes me kind of go the other way. Mm-hmm. He wants him to be heavily involved. He, he said he played great. I don't think you'd really look at the He's game. He's not going to elude anyone. I thought it was a good game. Yeah, it was good, fine, right? I, was, was... I thought it was a good game. Um, you know, guys that I feel like... Artillery, I thought, was okay, I guess. they There was there was some flashes there, though, that I thought was a positive. Um, I agree. You know, was he, I agree. Was he in on every play like Rochelle? No. But I thought he showed some good stuff. Um, so that was... I would take... I'd put him sort of like in the... Promising. The, 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 yeah. yeah, he's sort of the in-between guy. Um, you know, Jerron Jones I didn't see a whole lot from on tape when I watched. Um, he gets stood up too much. And, and again, I, it's like I, to me it's like Trombetti and Tillery. Those three guys, when, when, when they lose leverage, to me I see their body language change, like yeah. there's a concession at that point, especially Trombetti. Yeah, he had a real – it was a bad matchup for him. I felt like the scheme did not – I mean, Trombetti needs to be the fourth defensive lineman playing purely on the weak side. He cannot be the guy that's engaging a tackle, and he can't be getting cracked by a, a fullback every play, which I thought Texas was really smart to work on him. Well, I mean, even plays. on the weak side, though, he's going to have to beat tackles. And they're know. always going to beat him in size and I mean, leverage. Just, but to have a linebacker behind him opposed to a I, corner, I gotcha. Um, I gotcha. Just you know, give him some more help because yeah. that was not playing to his strengths, I didn't think. Yeah. I'm Kelly might feel the same way because he did mention, but in terms of the coaching, he made one specific point. We have to put them in better positions where they can make plays with their strengths, not just do what we want to do, which was a very interesting comment. That yeah. Last two guys I want to mention. I thought Alex Bars did some good things. He still lunged a little bit. Uh, McGovern threw a key block on Sanders' touchdown in yes, uh, downfield in, in in overtime. But but he doesn't have a lot of pop. I, you know, I mean, I just I don't see a guy with a lot of pop, and I hate to keep bringing up. Elmer, because I was always on him. I was always, he was in every tail of the tape. He's like, Elmer's Hill, not, he keeps getting better on the podcast. Elmer's not consistent. Boy, I wish they had Elmer because yeah. he was a, you know, he was a physical, powerful presence at right guard. Yeah. But overall, that's your fifth best offensive lineman. It's a pretty good yeah. offensive yeah. line. Uh, you know, the safety position has to get better without saying, I'm not sure what to make of what happened to Nick Coleman, honestly, because he looked so good in camp compared to what we saw. That was, I mean, that was really the guy that I was like, what's going on here? Um, and, you people do forget John Burt roasted Kavari Russell last year for a long game, and he was a guy I remember seeing on like the camp combine circuit and being like, "Holy cow, this guy looks like a million bucks." I mean, he's not physical at all, but no, but whoo, he's he a, can he's fly. A, he's an NCAA championship yes, qualifier in the hundred and ten meter race. In the Texas knows he's the eleventh fastest clocked player in NCAA yeah. football. That's, yeah, so I mean, maybe what happened to Nick Coleman was John Burke. You know, I saw yeah. I was watching the uh, in preparation for the game. I was watching their spring game, and he he did the same thing to one of their DBs. Had three or four steps on him in the pass, hit him in the face mask. <laughs> yeah. So, so at least this one went off his his hands. His hands in, in life. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for segment one. As you might imagine, we have a ton of questions from our readers on this podcast. So we'll get into all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider.
Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com, our burning up the board section. Uh, Legacy55 asks, can you give us a snippet of yours and our other media conversations in the press box as you watch the game unfold? I like this question. Was it shock, disgust, <laughs> premonition? <laughs> um, it was a mix of things. I mean, it, you were separate from us. I was separate. Game. I was with uh, Angelo DiCarlo from WNDU and JJ Stankowitz from Comcast Sports. Uh, we made a comment after the national anthem that this was that was the most anti-Colin Kaepernick stadium uh, in America at the time. <laughs> um, what else did we talk about? We were shocked that I remember when Josh Adams made that play. We're like, was that Josh Adams? <laughs> um, on the gunner is the gunner. Yeah, as the gunner. Uh, we the collective press box I felt was like, oh, Zaire again. What? Uh, why are they doing this? And then the the defense I feel like was kind of a mix live. Like I think some people were like, ah, it's okay. I mean the scheme. Um, and then some people were like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen <coughs> as it's happening. So I don't. I think people were sort of the overall. Tenor, I thought, would be like, uh, this team isn't as good as I thought it was going to be after covering them every day in August. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you immediately start to look at... I, I What I was doing was I was thinking about the upcoming opponents and what their ground games are going to do to Notre Dame's defensive front. And, you know, as it, as it continued on and you see what personnel they are using, you can't help but start exchanging, like, are they really doing that? Or, yeah. You know, like, we're in the trying row to get other people. To... We're in the row of shock that they were staying with three defensive. Line yeah, yeah, was... no doubt, no, no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, but I've done this a million times before. So there's there there's uh, there's been a lot of uh, disgust and shock <laughs> along the way. <laughs> I was surprised that they played. I guess I was surprised they played that poorly on defense. I guess I'm an idiot that I thought they would play better in one. I thought this would be their best. Like they would come out and have one. Good game, maybe another one down the line in September. I really thought they played better at the beginning of the year than, well, better than 50, as I noted. Yeah. We couldn't yeah. be that pessimistic. You know, Bouchel's poise, I think, yeah. you know, I had, a lot, had the, a lot to do first, with that. The first TD, I remember being like, uh-oh. Yeah. Like, this guy's actually good right, right now. Right. Um, that whole, like, because I was a big... First time starting quarterbacks really get uh, burned by yeah. Brian McGoder's defense. And as soon as he made that throw, I mean, that throw was... A beauty. Yeah, yeah I was that was like, not that covered by Colbert. Um, Notre Dame might be in trouble. Actually, the funny thing is, we were by some Texas people too, and they kept asking us, Are you surprised that yours in? Are you surprised that yours? It was like, We don't have a reason to be surprised about yeah, anything right yeah. now. I mean, just... I, you know, you didn't, I, I, who started, it didn't matter. It wasn't going to be a surprise yeah. because it was just such a guessing game up to that point. Vic Irish One says, Fall camp is over. And clearly players were not evaluated correctly by the staff, especially on defense. Is this defense so complicated that raw physical ability can't trump physical deficiencies that clearly exist, such as Tranquil and Sebastian? Why have complicated defense if it doesn't work? You know, Kelly kind of... Was it was it so complicated that you're just... They had the same personnel on the field. They didn't sub a whole lot. Um, I don't think that that's that complicated. Um, I thought they left... Nick Coleman out to dry for sure schematically, but I don't know what the heck you're supposed to do with Tranquil and Sebastian because if you put one of those guys over the top of John Burt, it makes absolutely no different. I mean, it's like if you put one of those guys over the top of Will Fuller, great. What's the point of that? I mean, so I don't know. It was just well, you can run, you could you can run more zone coverage. I mean, we're we're going to get a question about this. I mean, you. 
you can try to keep the ball in front of you, can't you? I mean, can't can't you just run a base defense? Yeah, I mean, and, you would have you would have to say, <laughs> yes, okay, we're gonna point. put the put, put the safeties twenty yards deep, or at least one of them. Maybe that would have been a, a a better move. I don't know if it would have made a difference, but you know, were guys evaluated incorrectly? Coleman looked good in August. I have to take up with the I don't know. Oh, he got, he, he I mean, he, he was outrun by a sprinter. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I wouldn't say that. The irony of it is they finally got to move Sean Crawford into the nickel to cover the slot and all its responsibilities, and if he was they're just getting, playing left corner, he'd have been right with John Burt. <laughs> that would have been a much better situation. Yeah, there's no question about that. All right, uh, NYC Leprechaun. Why does Brian Van Gorder play 3-3-5 nickel defense against a power running team with two running backs and a quarterback over 250 pounds it seems like common sense to go with four down linemen as your base defense a few times in third where they were in four three they held them to three and out twice we agree yeah we don't know yeah <laughs> i mean i don't i'm not sure if brian kelly knows at this point i mean based on his comments today so, you made yeah. a good point though pete that maybe with bichelle you're thinking hey let's you know let's confuse him let's do these looks let's keep get crawford in the nickel we like this they but once tyrone swoops is in the game it no, is just it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, can I just? I don't. I I know it sounds like I think I know more than these guys. I I really do not think I know more than these guys. Right. I I don't. We don't. No. We're not even close. No, I thought you were saying you knew more than O'Malley. And I. <laughs> no, I oh. mean more than these guys. <laughs> Earlier on, when it said the staff misevaluated, I thought, oh. he, meant, I thought he meant us, oh, not okay. the coaching. <laughs> <laughs> They're blaming I mean, us I, for August. I, I, you know, I'm obnoxiously confident in myself, but I, but not so much that I think that I know more than the defensive and offensive coaches and Brian Kelly. We don't. It's just that when Texas's coaches did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that when you see these things, I, I, I I'm confused. I don't I don't know the answer. We're all agreeing with uh, NYC Leprechaun here. All right, Dip ninety eight. What are the realistic odds Brian Kelly makes a defensive coordinator change at midseason? Tim Priestry made a good case for it in your recent column, even offering up an in-house candidate in Bob Elliott. With Kelly's history of coordinator loyalty, is there a chance Kelly feels the heat and finally makes a change? Or do we sit through another 12 acts of this same play when we all know the tragic ending? I mean, it's very unrealistic, but what, 2-4, and 3-4 and four going to bye week? You reevaluate some Oof, things geez. and then you wonder, right? Oof. No, they're not going to be. I don't okay. think that at all. I'm just saying. But that's we're, we're trying to find a scenario. Obviously, if they write the ship and are five and two, he's not going to be like, all right, well, now it's time to move on. But yeah. I think if you know, if you get the worst case scenario, he did say mid season. He's not asking now, which is the questions on the board. Like, has Elliot moved into his office yet? <laughs> In those situations. Yeah, I just look. I just I I I mean, I really was basically kind of throwing out a name at four thirty in the morning. Uh, you know, I mean. <laughs> I, I, who, who hasn't? Yeah, I mean, which is what night games do to yeah. us. But um, I edited a lot of things out of my original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, it was a good know, piece. No, it's we all not. Did. It's yeah. not going to happen. There, I said. I think somebody asked me what's percentage. I said zero point two. And it, right. it really look. It's it's. It would be unwise to do that. I I, I, re, I realize that. But you know, I think there's. I, I think Bob Elliott's a very well-respected man around there. I don't even I don't even know if he's healthy enough to yeah, do anything we, like we, that. We hit on that a little bit. It, it's it's a it's it's a ridiculously radical idea. I realize that, but uh, I don't uh, think they're going to get better. So yeah, worth noting, Greg Hudson is on staff now. Nori Malum, defense coordinator experience at Purdue, and I think East Carolina, uh, and then Florida State as a general assistant there. So somebody maybe you could lean on, but I don't know. It's a 
the the haze in the barn on this. Yeah, there was January right, absolutely. season. It's not a absolutely. Fix. It was January. That was point of my column. The chance to do it was in January. You're married to it. Unless things go absolutely off the rails, they're not going to make that change. But yeah. then you really have to reevaluate if they let's say they have a really good season, bounce back, and are nine and three and win a bowl game. You still have to evaluate the situation. How much better are you going to get defensively? If you're, if you're just because you're nine and three, scoring forty six points a game, doesn't mean that you have a good yeah. defense. The patterns aren't changing. That that that's just the thing. As long as right. the patterns stay intact, then they're then they're not getting better. And I would contend that they're getting worse if you can't run your base defense in the opener of the season. L. R. Irish, what do you think the defense needs to do schematically to at least hold scores down and give the offense a chance to win? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it comes to you know more zone coverages, which Van Gorder, you know, I mean. That, that's that's unlikely. Uh, you need a better pass rush. That's unlikely. Uh, how did Bob Diaco run his defenses? It, it it you know I mean he had bigger corners that you keep the football in front of you and make them work their way down and make a twelve play touchdown drive. The problem is this defense consistently gives up twelve play eighty yard touchdown drives. I so. saw a question. I don't I don't know if it was on. It might have been. It's not on our list. That said. Uh, is the red zone defense the new red zone offense? Guys, the red zone defense was the red zone offense problem last year. When you drove against Notre Dame, you scored a touchdown. Right. And that is, that's still there. And I don't know. That is, I think, both play calling from a defensive coordinator and players. Players can make plays on occasion when you're down inside the 20-yard line. Mm-hmm. I, this, might not, this wasn't in the red zone necessarily, but Sebastian bouncing off the tackle. That's a third down stop. Correct defense called by Brian Van Gorder. His sixth-year safety, whose strength is tackling, against bounces, Texas's worst against receiver. Texas worst. I, I was going to say the bounces Texas the, the Texas Longhorn media that I was around was shocked <laughs> that Jake Oliver not only made that play, but I think he made a. a on he the also next caught one by the goal line that Tranquil wrapped him up as he was like right, right at the one. Right. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh third down. They just they looked at the matchup and yeah. just hit it. Yeah. It, or you know Andrew Trevetti doesn't line up offsides on third and six to make it third and one. Right. There, there's so many things, and that's why Brian Kelly says it's not all on. It, you know, it, it's got to roll downhill because it's it's not one game. He's acting like it's one game, which to him it is because this is a new team. But we know that it's a carryover right. effect too. Right. Yeah, there's no question. CPU 15, what good team on the schedule can Notre Dame beat with the talents coaching on defense? <laughs> I think they have more talent than the yeah, credit yeah, for yeah, this okay. game. Uh, outside of Rochelle and Morgan, we look awfully light on talent regardless of star rankings. I, I, no. I, I, I don't – I think they have more talent than that. I – I agree. I mean, I don't. They look. They still play a bunch of new quarterbacks. Um, they're not all going to be Shane Bouchelle. Right. Um, like or Ty- Tyrone Swoops, which you never thought we'd say. For the rest <laughs> yeah. Of our lives. Um, you know, it's still Tyler O'Connor uh, and. Duke's, I don't even. Duke's yeah, I'm not even sure right now. Yeah, who, who apparently is supposed to be quite good. Maybe um, Tago Smith is out. Tago that was Smith my guy. Out for, out for the year. The new um, the new Duke quarterback is supposed to be good. Yeah, or the old one, the okay. new one is supposed to be Max quite Brown good. might still be shell shocked from Alabama. Yeah, by week so, twelve. Look, but with Rochelle Cage, you're going to get some good from Tillery. Dalen Hayes is going to grow into a role. Devin Studsell is going to grow into a role. Sean Crawford, Sean Crawford, Crawford is Luke, has already grown into a role. Nick Corman, Nick Coleman isn't going to be matched against the NCAA Lily track champion most weeks. Um, Anwalu is going to be a he was consistent. Good. Morgan, I thought, was outstanding yeah. um, on Sunday night. I mean, did he make it a play? No, but he was 
really, really good. He's just um, a he's a tough football player. Well, he's great to have on your yeah, team. Hits, I mean, yeah. he's hitting Tyrone Swoops and driving him back. He, he is. He got run over one one time yeah. by Foreman, but I mean, he, yeah, he is the he's the most physical player on defense. He's going to make the biggest hits throughout the season, and he gets off blocks. If you're listening, Joe, he gets off blocks a little bit better than you did, pal. <laughs> Yay. Uh, next up. He isn't listening. We know that. <laughs> Panther 23-23. Can you rate the O-line's run blocking? I assumed we would open more holes to the left the side of the line. I thought they would have, too. In fact, at the beginning of the game, that first drive, I think the first thing you said to me was a nice push. They were getting a push with yeah. Folsom going behind it. Uh, God, I mean, what better sign than a 54-yard run off the right side yeah. to start a game? It just seemed like... This was going to be exactly what we thought, and you know, I I have tracked all the way through the stuffs eighteen, which would be a high mark over last year for a team that Notre Dame suffered eighteen stuffs. That last wow. year's high was seventeen, and that was Clemson. Wow, that came with the seventeen stuffs, so that was troubling for Texas. That's uh, it is, and uh, you know, it's. I just thought they, I, I, but I think they're going to play a lot better the offensive line. I am not down on the offensive line yeah. by any means. If I were to list the five in order of just push in the run game, I'd go Nelson first, Mustafer second, McGlinchey third, Bars fourth, McGovern fifth. And I like Bars. I think I rate offensive linemen not well, not correct. I know I don't because I'm an offensive line coach, not correctly because Alex Bars was involved in so many of the bigger plays and the important plays where he was getting his block, like on mm-hmm. that little flip pass to Josh Adams. Yeah. He went out and got yeah, Malik yeah. Jefferson and yeah. then the 54-yard run and some other things. Now it's you know it's supposed to be 75 plays you're rating. But I, right. I thought Bart showed promise in the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I did too. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was for a new offensive line to be that effective in the screen game. Oh, that was really yeah. nice. That was a really nice. I know that's not part of the question they're asked about the run game, but I think there's a lot to be optimistic about with that group. SF Castillo, were you surprised at the ineffectiveness of Greer Martini or was it a result of playing mostly nickel and having sporadic playing time? No, I, I was. I was. He had eight tackles. I, you know, when you look at the stat sheet after a game when you're in person and you're tracking stats and you look at everything, you know, trying to look at everything, I thought, oh, eight tackles, that's pretty good. I thought, you know, he, he was catching runners as they were going by. Uh, he did that. Those were the majority of his tackles. Kind of got caught up in traffic. I don't know that he got off blocks real well. And he was like, he was part of this nickel. That's part of that question. He was he was in there. Yeah, in the nickel. Yeah. yeah. Now I I I think he's going to play a lot better than he did against Texas. Yeah, I thought he would be. I just thought he'd be better against Texas. Better against the run. I thought he'd be a nice right. solid player. In that yeah, regard. he was really the first missed tackle that I noticed. Um, it was in the first quarter, I believe. But um, or, yeah, it. Yeah, it was just like, I expected him to play a little bit better, um, but I don't think that playing in it, because I mean, we we keep using the term nickel, it's not a nickel, it's no, a 3-3-5, three, three, right, right. so you're getting uncovered offensive linemen yeah. running in your face, that's really difficult for somebody, it's difficult for any linebacker, it is. but Grim Martini no, is also right. not 255 you're, you're, and pounds. And Morgan dealt with it the best. Who, who is the biggest. Right. Um, so yeah, and it was it was a tough scheme for Grim Martini. Well, it's actually kind of like the old days of, you know... Carlo Calabrese is your best guy for this because he's going to have an unblocked guard coming out of the entire game. So you like can't slam into you, him. You wouldn't be putting Greer Martini in that in that scheme either. Yeah. It's kind of what you you created for yourself during the game. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, Club Fred ninety top five press boxes you have visited. College stadiums only. Have to imagine DKR is right up there, which is not true. DKR is not right up there. Yeah, I would say DKR was was just sort of mediocre. Um, and for a stadium of that stature, you expected it to yeah. be. You know, 
a five star five star amenities, which is just yeah. not the case. And it's it's a I mean the all it's a good question because it excludes NFL. And all the NFL stadiums that we've been to recently are spectacular. The meal, however, was outstanding. <laughs> well seasoned oh, fajitas, yeah. the nacho bar, this was fresh this, guacamole, the soup too. There was a spicy soup, but for best people are gonna get really mad at this answer. Michigan's new press box is awesome. <laughs> It is. Michigan's new press box why is would beautiful. People, why would people get upset about that? Because it's Michigan. It is a beautiful place. Uh, Purdue. Purdue setup is Purdue's really good. It was always uh, efficient and yeah. practical. And they have the mm-hmm. cubbies behind you. The yes. most important thing yeah. in the history of sports writing. Stanford's is very high on my list. They have those nice uh, Aeon chairs. Um, yeah. Really, the best seating is at Stanford, I thought, by far. And they have a nice like, granite Press row as well. They also, uh, however, announced that game time temperatures would reach 39 last year and then opened the windows, if you guys recall, <laughs> which beautiful outdoors until it gets cold in Stanford. Stanford and Notre Dame do one thing that a lot of places don't do. I'm going to take up for Notre Dame here, even though I don't like the food. They continuously have something available for you. So like, if you're mm. writing before the game, especially we do a lot of this in the press box as the season's going along, you're there for three hours early. And we're only on the field for five minutes. Yeah. When you're writing some stories, you don't might not go to that meal they have ready for right. you. So Notre Dame and Stanford have some uh, fun. For me, best view from the press box, BYU, is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, you mean the surroundings? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, Rose Bowl for me. I Rose Bowl. No, Rose Bowl is, is spectacular. But BYU well. being a, like one of those like, oh, that was a really sneaky, cool stadium yeah. that I was not expecting at all. Sun Devil Stadium. Beautiful outside. 85 uh, degrees in the mountains. It's nice. Worst press box, though. Yeah, that's like, a bad spot. I'd say, like, the worst press box I've been in would be the old, old Husky Stadium oh, at wow. Washington, where it was <laughs> drilled into the bottom of that cantilevered roof, and you, there were actually holes you in the floor. You could see the crowd <laughs> below, see below, you, below you. your feet. Um, that would be high on my list of the worst. Penn State was bad, but was, kind of in a cool, bad way, only because you shook when it got loud. Yeah. Um, That's a good thing. So did Washington. But then Arizona State's would also be very high on my worst list because of the TV monitor situation. It was the old, like, 24-inch tube TVs. And you couldn't see around them. Yeah. Um, Unless you were standing, like, right in front of it, you couldn't see anything. Air Force. uh, Highest vantage point, Air Force. Beautiful outside. Highest vantage point. You can't breathe when you walk up the steps. Uh, The TVs are the same situation Mm -hmm. as Arizona State. Uh, just to go back to Michigan, the worst press box ever was Michigan's old press box. So we can go ahead and throw that, that in there. That was a, well. that that was a really bad Notre Dame's, Notre Dame's original press box was bad, too. Sun Bowl was just Ooh, awful. Yeah. That so, was a bad one. It's a, 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 a spectacular view, but just got awful. But I don't think anything tops the Independence Bowl, which yeah, was <laughs> unheated. Notre Dame played them in the snow. Remember when they played LSU for the second time with, with Davey in that year? Uh, freezing bad situation. I like USC. Uh, it's too cramped, but USC with the open windows and 75 degrees in November. I don't care what else yeah, is going on. I'm cool with it. Yeah. A topical question because we're we are going to be in a new press box this weekend for the first time yeah. uh, as Notre Dame opens its new press box. So maybe that will be add to, added to the list. I mean, from what I've heard about it and seen about it, it seems like a Michigan State Purdue style of press box, which would be great. Cubbies. Uh, they do a good job of that stuff. It's made with the media in mind. That. They do. Right? That's good. Yeah. Right. So on that very inside sports media note, if you're still listening, <laughs> yeah. this, has been, this has been another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We're going to be back on our regular schedule September 8th, Thursday. Uh, we'll preview Nevada. We'll work some recruiting into that show as well. Um, talk a little bit more about what happened this week with our player interviews on Wednesday night. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, you've been listening to another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider.